0: and welcome to this brand new episode of the inside recruitment marketing podcast brought to you by Spar dreamers i'm your host daniel and my guest today is going to be pranam limpinski ceo and co-founder of dwarf clubs which is a project that connects students clubs and companies through an easy to use platform In this episode, we'll talk about the main points that define Generation Z's vision about the workplace and what resources young people have for changing the future of work. We're also going to be talking about how Gen Z is shaping the traditional model of work and what can fast-growing companies or enterprises need to do to make sure they attract the most competitive candidates. With that in mind, I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy this new episode of our Inside Recruitment
1: Marketing Podcast.
0: So, hey, Pranam. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Daniel. I'm happy to be here.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Happy to hear that. So, uh, Pranam, for those of our listeners that don't know you quite yet, Um, Let's start by telling them a little bit about who you are, what you do, and your work at Door of Clubs.
1: Sure. So uh, I am the co-founder, CEO of Door of Clubs, which uh, is a recruiting startup focused on college recruiting, uh, campus recruiting. And we help companies, employers, recruit students through their passions and demographics uh, more efficiently by by allowing them to recruit through student clubs, university clubs in the U.S. And um, what we've created is a directory, the first ever directory of university clubs in the U.S., which you know has has all sorts of categories you could never even uh, imagine. Like uh, there are clubs that are focused on. Um, puppies there are clubs that are focused on knitting there are clubs that are focused on women in computer science women in data science you know anything that you are looking to target uh, there's a club for that you know how they say there's an app for that and also I've been someone who's been fascinated by Gen Z and they've made me hopeful they've improved my awareness of what's going on in the world and we've done a lot of research on gen z surveying tens of thousands of them and so i'm i'm hopeful that during this conversation daniel we can you know maybe do the same for the listeners where we can fascinate and make them more hopeful or more aware of just uh this new generation
0: well you for sure fascinated me with the with a puppy club <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh <laughs> I mean, that that sounds like a really, really cool club to be in. Um, So, yeah. So um, let's just uh, take a deeper dive, I'd say, in defining Gen Z, right? Because uh, many of our listeners uh, probably already know uh, who Gen Zers are, but let's just... Uh, reaffirm it for those of um, our listeners that don't know and let's look at their positioning in the global uh, work market what are your uh, thoughts on this
1: sure yeah so it's always helpful to understand who they are how i'm defining them um so i will and so gen z right now if you look at why they're important to the future and 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 who they are from a From an um, age standpoint, Gen Z was born in 1995 and they go all the way up till 2012. So they're currently, you know, ages seven or eight to 24, 25. And that means that all college talent, so all the talent that's gonna be coming out of universities, all the entry level workers for the next 15 years will all be generation z and you know that's that's an important reason why now we need to start paying attention to them because over the next 15 years they're here to stay and they're only going to grow in terms of how much they they um populate the workforce and a good statistic is that over the next decade uh gen z will 5x so they'll grow by 500 percent in the workforce, so it's it's going to be the biggest shift as far as people, culture, talent in the workforce from a generational standpoint, and they're very different from millennials. So one of the things that you can do to upset a Gen Zer, um, or just to to insult a Gen Zer, or to um, not get a Gen Zer is to think that they are just like millennials, except they're a little bit younger. And that's really not the case, which we'll talk about uh, during this podcast.
0: Okay. Okay. So that's a very interesting point you, uh, you've made there. So we wouldn't like to upset any, any Gen Z' listening to us today. So just tell us a little bit about this, uh, this difference that you're mentioning Gen Z versus millennials.
1: Yeah. Well, in, in, from a story standpoint, it's important to know that the reason why um, Gen Z is are the way they are is because they they are somewhat of a reflex uh, to millennials. So if we think of millennials, you know, what are the things, Daniel, that that come to mind right off the the top of your head? Like, what are some of the the titles? or labels that have been given to millennials lazy you know what are what are some of the ones that you've heard?
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean lazy for sure and me as a millennial i've been actually you know um not only once been uh, been called that yeah absolutely absolutely
1: entitled um, you know we hear that
0: absolutely 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 entitlement yeah for sure um I, I, I have some of the nasty ones, but I don't want to share them like right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, lazy. There, and there
1: have been some, there have been some uh, bad labels attached to millennials, and I'm a millennial too. And so, you know, I, I'll say that, that we, of course, have have earned that title, those labels to an extent. Um, but the way that Gen Z has is viewing the the world and how they're going to fit into this puzzle is is they see themselves as you know somewhat of a a reflex to millennials. They're they they see themselves as the 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 uh, they want to be different. They want to be do things that millennials um, were not. They want to be something that millennials were not. And it's kind of like the way that I equate it is. You know, when you have an older sibling or you have an older cousin and they always are, say, the sports player, the athlete, or they are wearing a certain style of clothes or they hang with a certain style of people. When they come before you, uh, you you as the younger sibling or younger cousin tend to want to do something different than them. You don't want to wear the clothes that they wore. You don't want to be exactly what they were. You want to be something different, your own unique self. And that's kind of how I view Gen Z here is they they don't want to be just like millennials. They want to be known as something different. And so I just say that for context Daniel because it's important to know why they are different and and why they would get offended if you think of them as just, you know, millennials but younger.
0: Huh, so that's the reason for which my eight-year-old younger sister didn't actually agree with me on (laughs) multiple, multiple. Well I
1: don't know about all all that, but (laughs) we'll chalk it up to generational differences.
0: (laughs) <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Cool. So, um, what I'm getting from uh, from uh, from this is that it is clear that Gen Zers have quite a distinct vision, yeah. right? Um, and specifically about work and the workplace. Um, what are your uh, some 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 key points that you found that define this uh, this vision of theirs?
1: Yeah. So, the, I, I think of it as an acronym. So if you think of the acronym ISA, that's what really cracks the code of their vision. And I'll go through what that stands for. So I stands for inclusion. And inclusion is really important um, to this generation because they grew up with um, a different soil, so to speak. Um, If you think about them being, uh, you know, if a flower grows in a certain type of, of uh, ground versus another type of ground, Gen Z grew up in the ground or the soil of, say, President Obama, um, who was the first black president in the U.S., who stood for equality and inclusion. And they also grew up in the time where gay marriage, you know, has become more accepted, um, interracial marriage. It's, it's a, you know, an awakening of, of the culture around inclusion and including all types of people. And so, inclusion being the first in our acronym, and it's statistically, according to a study by Accenture, inclusion, um, is the number one factor to create trust among, uh, Gen Zers. So, if you as an inclusive company can show, Hey, you know, we are not only talking the talk, but we're walking the walk. We have diverse leaders. We have a diverse team. uh, We include all. We have equal pay. That's going to create trust. And trust is so important when engaging with anyone new in general, but never mind a new generation. So inclusion as number one. Um, Stability as number two. Uh, Again, we're talking about ISA, the acronym. And stability is really um, based upon they saw their parents go through the global recession that happened and they saw their parents lose their jobs. And they saw how much you know widespread financial instability there was. And so Gen Z grew up with a little bit of a scar on their finances where they, they don't want to feel – the way that they saw their parents or their family members or, or older friends uh, feel during the recession. And so they want stability. They want fina- things that are going to make them financially stable. And we'll talk a little bit, Daniel, later about entrepreneurship and whether they're an entrepreneurial generation or not, because you, you'll be surprised at my take on that. And then the third is authenticity. So ISA, Inclusion, Stability, Authenticity. Gen Z receives five times more ads per day than um, thirty years ago. You know the people that were consuming media thirty years ago. So they they receive four thousand ads a day. It's estimated compared to um, eight hundred ads a day uh, thirty years ago. And you think about what about the fake wow. news era? You know, we the whole world now understands what fake news is and how. You can manipulate news to to um, produce deep fakes, to produce fake headlines, to cover biased things, and you can you know technology allows for for some to do that. Gen Z has to be uh, skeptical of all the news that comes out. So anything that feels um, like it's it's out of a box, or it might be um, uh, something that it isn't trusted. Or feels a little bit too commercial, uh, corporate. They they don't buy, they don't like, and so that they they have this filter against anything that feels like it's trying to get their attention that is that is not authentic. And so, um, I S A inclusion, stability, authenticity, just as the general. You know, three things when we think about what's their vision moving forward, what are they aiming towards, what are they pointing towards, how are they living in terms of their values, those are the three.
0: And uh, I fully agree here, and you've made a very, very good point, um, especially, I mean, all three uh, uh, acronyms are, are, are on point, but um, I would say that, you know, authenticity has been uh, more and more increasing um as a topic in general right um so uh, so has uh, inclusion right and um you mentioned something about your take on entrepreneurship which has also been um as far as I'm concerned as a millennial so um and i believe that uh, gen Zers are uh, looking at this uh, quite a lot these days um at entrepreneurship um uh, as let's say a um um, uh, non, like a non-traditional career path for them. Right? Let's put it that way of experimenting. So, just uh, give us uh, give us uh, a little bit of your take um, on this topic.
1: Yeah, it's it's a very um, interesting uh, point about Gen Z is is are they entrepreneurial or not? And I hear the misnomer, the mischaracterization of Gen Z as entrepreneurial. I hear that quite a bit. And you will, too, if you read articles. And, uh, you know, the thing is about headlines is a lot of times they're they're just there to get you to click and to understand a quick snapshot, of course. And we're talking about the fake news area. If we talk about fake news and how, you know, we're really, um, we're, we're not seeing the truth of of the details, if we just look at the headlines and Gen Z, a lot of times is, is yes, they're entrepreneurial, they're they all want to start a business. But the way that I would define Gen Z is they're not an entrepreneurial generation, they're a side hustle generation. So, more than three quarters of Gen Z has a side hustle. And what do I mean by side hustle? That's like, um, they they're selling things on eBay. They are freelancing their skills. They are um, finding ways to to create any sort of profit for themselves. Buying and selling old things. They're they're finding they're they're you know driving Uber. They're they're just going to find ways to to create a side hustle for themselves that can scratch that itch. But it doesn't mean that they're going to go out on their own limb. And find the huge instability of starting their own business. And I have a, a statistic for you that I thought was very interesting. And this was according to Universum's uh, most recent study. And they talk about um, they ask Gen Z, where do you, you know where do you want to work? Startup? Do you want to start your own business? Do you want to work for a national or international organization? And um, the amount that want to work for a startup, I'll I'll ask you. Uh, well, why don't we start with how many want to start their own business from an entrepreneurial standpoint? I'll ask you, Daniel. Take a guess, how, and we can ask the listeners. Take a guess. How many want to start their own business? What percentage?
0: Well, right off the bat, from the from the huge, uh, as you mentioned, media like um, trend that's going on today, I would say like seventy percent. But yeah,
1: that's it. That might what, be biased. Right, and and that's what we see out there um as the headlines and, and that's what we hear. They're entrepreneurial. The based on this study from Universum, which is uh quite a well respected brand in the college talent and recruiting space, only eight percent want to start their own business. Only eight percent. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> And then, oh, wow. and then the other part is like, well, startups are all the rave, right? They're, they're, um, they're wh- where everybody wants to work because startups are young, hip, and cool. And that's where Gen Z wants to work. Wh- how, what percentage do you think want to work for startups?
0: Well, uh, because I'm, I'm obviously going to be terribly <laughs> wrong about this as well. So I'm just going to throw in maybe let's say let's, let's meet it halfway. Right. Let's, um, even though Chris Voss says never to split the
1: difference, let's make it fifty percent. So actually, only four percent.
0: Oh Jesus, I'm I'm terrible the, at No, you okay.
1: This is great. We we're having a live quiz on the podcast, and hopefully, listeners are having the same reaction as you as I did as well when I first looked at the data. Now, how many do you think? What percentage want to work for a national or international organization? A big organizer
0: well come to think yeah come to think of it now because well you mentioned about the stability uh, the stability factor I'd say like here maybe 70 75 percent would actually be let's say more of a um, accurate number but I've been wrong
1: in the past well you, you were the closest um, from you know the the three ones that we went through and it's actually 68 percent. So, sixty-eight percent want to work for a national or international organization, and and this is um, also in line with an Accenture study that came out. Um, I believe they do a Rising Gen, Gen Z Rising study uh, each year. I believe last year's study talked about how they were thirty-seven percent more interested in working for large employers than millennials. So. Again, we're as as we look at you know entrepreneurial generation. Is it an entrepreneurial generation? The data that I've found um, to be most reliable, uh, and and the from when I speak to uh, college students, what I find is that again back to that stability, like you you rightly mentioned, Daniel, they don't want the instability of being part of a their own business, starting their own business, or being part of a startup in a sense, they want the stability of a large organization that they can get into and the playbook's already been written and it's clear that they have a growth path and the company's not going to go out of business in the next year or two. So that's that's a reaction or a reflex to when they grew up the Great Recession, they don't want to have that same problem when they just first come out of college
0: so that makes a lot of sense and that data you just mentioned there i guess it's going to strike a reaction in uh, in our audience uh, uh, perception as well um and since you mentioned many gen zers would actually like to to get into the big companies right um it's clear that the the managers of tomorrow are going to actually be represented by Gen Zers, right? So they're they're going to be more and more present in management positions. Mm-hmm. So how do you think this would actually influence the let's say quote unquote traditional model of work?
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting in the sense that um, the generation has has a, a much more uh, a much a much more technological upbringing than all of us uh, before them. And, and it's, it, it has created a different ground, a different soil for them to grow up in, where it's, it's made fundamental changes uh, to them. And how will it tra- influence traditional models of work? You know, that's where we're going to see these big changes over the next 15 years. And, you know, <clears throat> one of the things I'll start with on that is is—is what's so interesting is it, it's not as obvious. Um, I'll, I won't take the low-hanging fruit is that there's going to be a a more holistic approach to the health and mental health of how work fits into life. And I bring that up because that's going to have a huge Change in in how how we work, how our our days are structured, and this generation is the most um, depressed generation of all the generations out there. Um, they are the most uh, just psychologically unstable, and part of that comes from the the onslaught of of media that never turns off in their life, from their social media. Of course, to um, also them just you know seeing the the school shootings around the world and having that be so you know or, or especially in the U.S. Be, having that being so front of mind, top of mind for them, and and you know the tech the the effects of technology has created a lot of loneliness, a lot of isolation. Uh, to where mental health has become such an important part of Gen Z. And work, of course, fits right into that. How much does work affect mental health? It's, you know, arguably the number one thing that, that might affect your mental health. And so, Generation Z is going to find ways to blend more of the health, the, the overall holistic health of, of the workers as they become managers. So you might see things like more and more, you might see things like mindfulness workshops, um, yoga retreats, um, you know, even, um, therapy, uh, provided in house, um, you know, more, more, uh, HR related human development people where, you know, there's some companies that have like chief happiness or chief heart officers now where it's creating more of a place where the the health of the employee is is more taken into consideration. And then, you know, a couple other ways, of, of course, of how it'll change the traditional models. Everything will be more instant, of course. You know, this generation grew up with a cell phone in their hands since age five. None of us can say that. So everything is going to be more instant, including communication. Um, And another wild card one that I want to throw in there is how important um, learning is to them in terms of they like to pitch. So we did a big study of 10,000 students and we asked, what's the number one skill you want to learn? And they, they like the idea of pitching ideas, pitching, where it's more, a meritocracy of ideas where the best idea wins, you know, they grew up with the shark tank or dragon's den or however, you know, that is in different countries. And so they like right. the idea of, of pitching as a meritocracy in the work. And, you know, a lot of times that's, that might be a breakdown of the hierarchy. Um, and then more open co-working spaces, because the more connection with your fellow coworker um, the less isolated you are, the better it is for overall health of the individual. So those are, I I know those are just a few things that might not be as obvious, but that's where I see the the traditional models changing.
0: No, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's been actually a a Deloitte study that I was reading a a while back uh, revealing that around 84% of young employees actually report experiencing burnout right from their excessive Mm -hmm. workloads. So, this um, even if it's not let's say uh yeah the most obvious uh of the problems is definitely it definitely is a big one right so just just as a as a conclusion to uh, to what we've discussed um thus far so what would be your advice given these numbers right for either uh, large enterprises or even st- uh, uh, startups, right? They are looking to hire Gen Zers and uh, uh, retain sure. them in the workplace.
1: Yeah, well, it, <clears throat> we can go back to the data of uh, this the the context of this generation, and back to the acronym of inclusion, stability, authenticity. Um, because I've I've read thousands of articles. We've done again thousands of surveys. And we've we've dug into this generation and, and OK, so what's the actionable sense here? Well, number one is let's let's think about inclusion equality. And one thing that I, I see um, that, that is a glaring weakness that anybody listening can can uh, put into action today is when Gen Z thinks about your company as inclusive or, or um, equality minded, what they're going to do, and we did a, a, a study on this. We surveyed, I think for this one, it was around 7,000 students. And we asked them, what what makes you uh, see a company as inclusive? And again, remember that inclusion, equality is the number one factor in building trust. So you want to build trust quickly with them. And it's, a, it's inclusion that's going to show them. But the number one, the reason why they uh, view you as inclusive or not is is how diverse your leadership team is, and so what they're going to do is they're going to look up your, um, you know, executive team on your website, and they're going to see whether or not you are walking the walk and showing uh, your values by having a diverse team. Now, not everybody can go out and have the perfect uh, representation that you want. You know, where it's you know the the perfect um, gender. Representation, the perfect ethnicity representation. So, what do you do? My my one piece of actionable actionable advice, and there's been, you know, if you're a startup listening to this, if you're a medium sized company, or even a Fortune 500, this one piece of advice. There's a lot of companies that are getting this wrong or missing this. If you don't have an executive team that is perfect representation, you have to put in the bios. Um, specifically, of your executives, when you talk about what they've done in their their careers, you need to put in what causes of of inclusion or equality they support, have supported, or champion. And it's not that hard to do. It's just a couple sentences. You know, we talk about where we went to school, what you know, financial uh, series of of investment education we've gotten, but we don't add that in there. And the companies of the future, just so. You know, you can have a couple examples of of companies that are really forward thinking here. Salesforce is one of the largest tech companies now, and I think might be the largest in Silicon Valley uh, that started as a startup, um, or at least they're the largest in San Francisco right now. They, um, they, they look at their executive bios of their founder, Mark Benioff. Look at his, his ex- at his executive bio. It's almost all about equ- how he supports equality and inclusion. And then also look at a large company, Brian Moynihan, the CEO of Bank of America. They're very forward thinking in this as well. And they understand they need this to attract their talent. Look at his executive bio. It's full of his equality and inclusion. And they're doing this for a reason, again, because they understand it's so important to the generation. Now, um, the other thing, Switching, you know what? What? What else you could do from a from a attracting standpoint to hire Gen Z? Talk about growth potential for a couple of years in a row, and I've seen in other studies again tens of thousands of students surveyed. Growth potential is the number one reason why they will uh, leave your company for another or choose your company over another. And growth potential means that you're supporting their skills development, you're supporting their growth. And so if you can talk to them about how you have, you have their growth as, as the priority, you know, they're going to work really hard. They're going to do all this stuff, but in the end, they're going to grow that, that is the best pitch you can give them. Um, So, so that, and then authenticity we've talked about in terms of, you know, as, as one of the um, pillars of the acronym authenticity, the best way to do that is to start collecting their input, use technology um, do surveys, uh, ask them for how they might want an orientation meeting, ask them for how they might, you know, change things and how you're pitching them, ask them, get their input because the input and the listening is, is what will create the most authentic vibe with them instead of trying to talk at them and telling them how things need to be. And the world in general, of course, is going towards a more input based model where, you know, say, Facebook, um, Google, it's all about collecting data, collecting input, and then making decisions. So the world is going that way. Gen Z has always had a voice to comment on any Instagram article or or any Instagram post, Twitter, anything. They've always had a voice. They've always given their input. But with companies, a lot of companies just want to talk at them. But you need to create something where they're giving input so you can create an authentic connection.
0: Awesome! Wow. So, uh, I I surely believe that our our audience has a lot of uh, information to think about now. And thanks much, uh, Pranam, for for sharing this uh, these ideas. It's been for sure eye opening for uh, for myself. Uh, pretty sure for our audience as well. Uh, and. Um, I suggest maybe having a part two of this, you know, just taking a, a deeper dive into, uh, okay, how uh, how data is influencing uh, uh, everything, and um, maybe how job automation, sure. you know, which is a, a, a gross subject of debate, uh, is also uh, influencing uh, the, uh, the the workforce, or you know, reskilling, and how important it is for employees and. Um, uh, topic of topics of this, this nature. Um, yeah. but yeah, for, for today, I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful that I had the chance to, uh, to actually, uh, to talk to you. All right, Uh, thanks again for, uh, for your wisdom. Um, and, um, yeah, if you're up to it, let's, uh, let's take it to part too. Sounds sometime. good.
1: Yeah. And I, I hope that, uh, you know, we start seeing this generation for what they are, that we start becoming more, more and more, uh, Understanding of them, not to um, coddle them or not to create a place where you know we're just thinking about them and no other generation, but to collaborate with them to to uh, to to bring their talent into the to our workforce where it can be very useful to all of us and can create a lot of value for you know the workplace for the stakeholders for the customer. So that's that's the you know, my hope. And, and I know that it's been great talking to you, Daniel. And I think because there's so much here, of course, I think a, a part two is, is a good, good idea. So um, there's a lot, lot more to dive into. And it is an important discussion for the next 15 years, because they're going to be like millennials in terms of their impact on the workforce, but even bigger than how millennials impacted the workforce. And we know um, how much millennials change the workforce
0: all right amazing so uh yeah i totally agree pranam and um yeah let's let's make it happen uh until then thanks much once again for taking the time uh uh, to to be here with us um and um yeah i'm I'm gonna be sure to uh to uh to follow your work
1: and let's take an all right thanks daniel
0: Thanks again for joining us for this brand new episode of the Inside Recruitment Marketing Podcast brought to you by Smart If you enjoyed our conversation, feel free to like, share, and subscribe. Or if you have any feedback or suggestions, make sure to get in touch at smartdreamers.com or visit our blog at smartdreamers.com forward slash blog. See you guys here next time. And thank you for listening.